All right, welcome in to a Tuesday Locked On Syracuse podcast after a overtime victory over Georgia Tech. Was not a pretty game last <laughs> night, but it was a win for Syracuse. They have won six of seven. We'll talk about what that means. We'll discuss another big game from Barama Sidibe. Got to talk about how Buddy had some struggles. Joe Girard had some struggles. Not overwhelmingly positive after this game, but still a lot to discuss in the pod today and dig into, and we will do that next. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into the Locked on Syracuse podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen every single weekday. Only place for daily SU pods. It's Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki here with you. You can find us on YouTube. You can watch all our episodes there, plus some exclusive interviews on our YouTube page. Subscribe there. If you haven't already, also check out our Twitter page at LO underscore Syracuse and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. But Let's dive into this Georgia Tech win, 74-73 the final in overtime. And initial takeaways, I think, Tyre, it was a very out-of-character win for Syracuse. They shot the ball extremely poorly. I thought the transition defense was terrible. Those oh, are two it was brutal. That, yeah, they really haven't struggled with those two particular things all season long. But transition D was definitely a problem in this game. And then they shoot it. 34% from two-point field goal range in this game, which looking through the numbers, second-worst output of the entire season, win or loss. The worst was for uh, VCU in the battle for Atlantis, which makes sense because they scored about 55 or something like that points in that game, but they still get the win. So it's one of those where you're just happy to walk out of there with the win. It probably wouldn't have been good enough against a team that's any better than Georgia Tech, but a win is a win, as they say. So believe it or not... I think this game actually showed growth for Syracuse. And that may yeah. sound weird, but here's why. We've seen this game play out earlier this season, and they've been losses. Not only have they been losses, they've been double-digit losses, too. VCU, the game that you just brought up, the pick game. Like We have seen what happens when Syracuse cannot shoot the basketball. It does not end well. And it, it really blows up in their face, if we're being brutally honest here. Yeah. But this game... Things weren't going their way one iota on offense, and they still found a way to claw out a victory. I get Georgia Tech sucks, right? We talked about this leading in. They're the worst power conference offense in the entire country, according to Ken Palm. But for them to still go out, pick up a victory like this, even though things were not going their way and you needed overtime against a bad Georgia Tech team at home on a short turnaround – you take it. You, I'm not saying you run with it, but you take right. it and you don't apologize for it. And really the reason they were able to overcome everything, including Buddy having a really off night and Jimmy missing a shot late. And I mean, they did give up some open looks at the end of overtime that we could be sitting here very easily if Michael DeVoe just knocks down a shot that he makes most of the time and say that was a terrible loss and be evaluating a whole new a different perspective on the season than what right. we have right now. But I will say the reason they won this game, two things for me, one, they took care of the basketball turnovers, yes. just four in 45 minutes. I went through the entire Ken Palm database. It's been around since 2002 tracking game by game stats for Syracuse. 
Turnover rate tonight on Kempom was 5.4%. That's the best turnover rate they've ever had in the Kempom era back that's to 2002. Amazing. Yeah. And, and like listen, they, they've had some good point guards too in the Kempom right. era. And that, that's and the, the best part of it all. And the only game that was close to that number of 5.4% of a turnover rate on Ken Palm was in 2003. They had a 5.7% turnover rate in a random game in the middle of February against Notre Dame. But it's very rare to even get games below 9-8% in their history. There were some seasons like 2012-2013. I can't remember specifically, but their best game was maybe 12-13% turnover rate. Now, I know this is deep in the weeds of Ken Palm, but the bottom line is not just four turnovers is really good, but they also did it in 45 minutes and Ken Palm's yeah. calculating all the possessions they had. They were as effective at taking care of the basketball as they've ever been in an individual game since 2002, at least. I look at it too. This is what made zero sense to me also is when you brought up the transition defense, because what starts a lot of transition defensive opportunities for a team, turning the ball over. And for Georgia Tech to still come away with 14 fast break points, despite the fact that there were only four Syracuse turnovers in this game, didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense to me, especially for a team that, you know, pulls their team off the free throw line um, when they're shooting and, and tries to set up the defense. And, and a team that doesn't emphasize offensive rebounding a whole heck of a lot either because you want to drop back into your defense and prevent some of these sort of opportunities as well. Didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, but you got to credit this team. Shots were not falling. It, it was probably one of the ugliest shooting performances I've seen from a Syracuse basketball team. Like 33% as a whole. You couldn't buy a bucket down the stretch. It was just ugly, ugly, ugly. But you still found a way to grit out a win, despite the fact that pretty much everything went against you in this game. You had two centers in foul trouble. The, the, again, this is a zone. You are not supposed to get the ball on the interior in a zone. And Georgia Tech still comes away with 34 paint points. Yeah. 20 of them came in the first half, too. Like, everything was go. It was a Murphy's Law game. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong, with the exception of turnovers. And, and that ultimately won you the game, I think. Yeah, and really the only thing that was going right in the first half was Jimmy Beheim, And yeah. then he struggles throughout much of the second half. He gets the final shot in regulation, Interested to get your thoughts on this because I know a lot of people were upset about it. I'm definitely not advocating for let's give it to Jimmy and clear out on the final possession. I'd probably rather have other guys in that situation. But at the same time, I don't think it deserved as much flack as maybe it got in the Twitter sphere or just the general reaction to it because he was the leading scorer in the game. He got a pretty clean look going against a guy that was in foul trouble. It wasn't like the worst case scenario there. If the shot goes in, no one's, you know, complaining that Jimmy Beheim took the shot. It just didn't go in. I look at it. It's, it's not something that's going to keep me up at night, but yeah, I'm not drawing the play up for him. Like you have shooters on this team. You've got guys that can create spacing. I mean, you throw Samir Torrance out there and let him find a guy. I think that's your best course of action. You don't need a big out there in a final shot situation. I just think if Samir has the ball, then they're just staying on the shooters and they're saying, Samir, go. And I but don't want him handling the ball. Samir's gotten better when he gets in the lane of finishing too. And I don't think he would have necessarily taken the last shot, but I think I that. Not. I mean, I'm not I, advocating for that. I'm, for not, sure. I'm not either yeah. for sure. 
But, I mean, this was a game, I think you give it to Buddy, you give it to Joe, you give it to Cole. I mean, Cole was starting to heat up a little bit towards the end of the game. He put together a nice little performance after really struggling out of the gate. He rebounded nicely, not just uh, in the sense of going up and grabbing rebounds, but bouncing back as well after a really rough start to this game. Um, and, like, listen, Buddy Beheim's Buddy Beheim. all right? I'll live with Buddy missing a, a last-second shot. You can live yeah. with that. Um, you can live with Joe missing a last-second shot, too. I, I just there's too many guys I think that are above Jimmy Bayheim in my power rankings, and especially when it looks like the play was drawn up for him too. That's just something that, it, right? It didn't sit well with me. It, but again, it's not going to keep me up at night. Yeah, I think any of those four guys are capable of you know taking a game winning shot and making it. Cole is interesting because I hear you; he did make some big shots, but we never really see him create his own shot in a quick and timely fashion. And I don't know if I necessarily would have power ranked him higher than Jimmy, which might get some pushback from people listening. I think buddy and Joe, I probably would have power ranked higher because they probably taken bigger shots at Syracuse and made bigger shots at Syracuse than Jimmy and Jimmy, you know, he probably should have made that shot. It wasn't the prettiest looking thing. And I think the, I think it was a little tougher too than maybe people gave it credit for being too. I like it was decently contested a tough little shot that you have to get over. I believe it was a bigger defender too. So, and like people can bring up, Oh, he was in foul trouble. Well, who cares if you foul there, right? Like it's the last, it could be the last play of the game. So it may be a moot point at the end of the day too. I just, yeah. When I, when you bring up the, the Cole in terms of shot creation, the, the thing is, I don't know if he necessarily needed to create a shot. It could have been a catch-and-shoot situation, too. And who knows? Maybe you leave two seconds on the clock, but if it goes in, it goes in, right? So, yeah, I, I, I just I, – Jimmy's probably fourth among the guys that I would want taking that final shot. But, again, it's not something I'm – even if Syracuse had lost this game, I'm not pointing to why did Jimmy Beheim take the last shot as being the reason that this team lost the game. No, I'm pointing to the fact that – They shot the ball putridly in that second half. They shot 29% in the second half. Uh, You missed a good amount of free throws, too. It felt like throughout the bulk of the game. um, Ended up being 16 of 22. um, And and you missed, what was that, uh, five in regulation as well. So there's other places to point the finger if they had lost that game. Yeah, Gerard weirdly missed two free throws in this game. It has to Mm -hmm. be like a record for him. Uh, He missed one on his – he went to the free throw line on the first trip – it was like the first scoring chance for Syracuse and he missed one. And I was like, this game's already given off weird vibes. Yeah. And boy, was I right. In that estimation. <laughs> it, it only went downhill from there. Well, one positive also in this game was Barama Sadibe. We'll touch on him stepping up again, really coming through in overtime in just a second. First, I want to tell you about bet online because football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage, which just ended, unfortunately, and more information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline where the game starts. So Barama Sidibe steps up again in this game, and I think he plays 16 minutes in total because Frank fouls out of the game. He's sort of forced into service in overtime. 
had a nice take to the basket in overtime and scored. What was that? I mean, that was like uh, I didn't do a double. Take. That was like mellow vibes there. I yeah, mean, he, that was he caught, unlike anything I've seen. Even put his head down. And, you yeah. know what? You know what's funny is we look at a play like that, and it's like, isn't that what Benny Williams is supposed to be doing? Isn't that yes. like the catch <laughs> pump? Boom! Get to the basket, head down. It, it was flu. It may have been the most athletic thing I've seen him do at Syracuse. It, 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 you just don't see centers do that in general. Like that, that's not right. uh like that is a super athletic play for a big man to to play with that sort of confidence and just kind of tuck your head and get to the get to the hoop. Yeah, he's it's awesome to see him playing like this. And yeah. we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast when he played 18 minutes. Just good to see him out there. He's not quite what he used to be. He's not able to elevate. Like they were able to get some rebounds at the end of the game over him. He does what he can though and i'll give him credit because he's a smart player so even though he's not able to jump he used to or get out to a shooter as quick as he used to or whatever i do feel like there's a sense of experience to his game now that he's just find himself in the right spots and i wish that frank had a little bit more of that but that just comes with playing for four or five years you know like that's experience showing so i've been impressed with brahma in the past two games and Credit to Jim Beheim because once this injury news came out about Jesse Edwards, he was like, yeah, I think Barama can give us 15 minutes. And some people doubted it, and I sort of took it for his word, and it's kind of playing out that way so far. Yeah, and I'll be the first to admit, I was one of the ones that doubted it. And now, I do think there are times where he looks fish out of water. Like, there are some offensive possessions where he is just so out of place. He is literally, like, trailing the ball. Like, I remember there was one possession where – I believe it was Jimmy, maybe it was Cole that was getting the ball on the block and Barama is just like standing around him and drawing another defender there. And it was just mm -hmm. like, you got to space out a little bit. Like this is not where you're supposed to be. And he was running around and just kind of getting in the way at times, but he gave some really strong minutes in this game. By the way, you brought up some of those how people were getting rebounds. I just want to mention this 14 offensive rebounds for Georgia tech in this game. And that felt light. Like, I don't know who was yeah. scoring this, but your scoring was off because I think there were a lot like 20 close to 20 right. in this game. Like there were possessions, I think, where Georgia Tech had four or five offensive rebounds on it. Well, and the last possession, there was I mean, three, yeah, there were like right? three. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that that number. I mean, take that one with a grain of salt, because I don't think that is a legitimate statistic. I might even go back and watch the whole game and and count every single offensive <laughs> rebound because that's how off I think that number is. Anyway, I digress here. Um, but no, this is a really important thing for Barama to go out and give you these sort of minutes. And again, he goes five and five, all right? That's not a flashy number, but it was yeah. a strong five and five. Like he gave you critical minutes when you needed it. And, and for a team that had a, a lifeblood of their roster go down with a season-ending injury, like – that this is what you need out of a guy who some people thought his career was over, frankly. Right. And for him to go out there and still be able to give you 16 minutes again, you would like there to not be four fouls in 16 minutes. Um, but he gave you everything he could. And you just got to hope he can start to string some of these games together and continue to be an effective force because Frank A has battled foul trouble aside from that first game against Virginia Tech. And B, I mean, who knows what you're going to get consistency-wise with Frank. Yeah, he's been struggling a little. But he had I a mean, fantastic second half rebound right. in basketball. It's up and, and down. Rebounds. Yeah. yeah, but again, you want to see consistency. That's what's going to separate him and make him a good player moving forward. I, I do want to ask you this. 
Do you think we will see Barama start a game? No. And it's funny because Jim Beheim was asked that post game and he just scoffed at it. And basically it was like, I forget who asked him the question, but he was like, don't even like, I'm just happy he's playing 15 minutes. You know, he, he didn't even want to get into it, which right. was vintage Beheim. I do think the question should have been asked. I'm glad someone asked it. I yeah. don't think it's that ridiculous, but I do think they're pretty sad on him doing, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And that's the positive to the fact that he is so foul prone. You brought up four fouls, 16 minutes today. On one hand, it's like, gosh, that's concerning. On the other hand, he's only going to play max 16, 20 minutes. So yeah. as long as he doesn't foul out, I don't really care if he gets to three or four fouls. Right, just it doesn't matter. To, yeah, he can foul. As lot, long as his foul fouling lot. doesn't lead to Frank fouling out. And what I mean yeah, by that is he comes in, picks up two quick ones in three minutes, and then you have to put Frank back in. As long as that's not what it leads to, then right. pick up all the fouls you want. You got five hard ones, do whatever you want with them. Um, but as long right. as it doesn't lead to minimizing Frank's minutes, I think you're all right with that. It's going to be interesting to see how he fares as we get deeper into some tougher teams here. But I would imagine he only improves with games. I think the week of practice probably helped him. And it was just unrealistic probably to expect anything in that first game, which was, I guess, Virginia Tech was the first one mm -hmm. that was without Jesse, where he came right in and really struggled because that was just his first game in two years or something. I mean, you got to keep in mind, the guy played 18 total minutes all of last season, and he's played a little over 30 minutes in the past two games now. So he's pretty much doubled that just in two games compared to all of last season. Yeah. So to see what he's doing in, you know, being off the court for so long, I know he's been practicing and stuff, but I think it's really impressive that he's out there. Just the stats are never going to be great. You brought up five and five, like that's the ceiling of his statistical output probably, but he dove on a loose ball and he got us yeah. a jump ball and kept possession in overtime. It's that stuff, kept a couple right? balls alive too, where he, maybe he yeah. didn't get credited with the rebound, but he tapped one out. Uh, I believe he got it to buddy and it set up an extra possession. He made a couple plays too, whereas it, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet because guys missed shots. And, and I think this happened a couple times too, but he extended plays and maybe Syracuse didn't get any second chance points out of it here, or maybe he didn't get credited mm -hmm. with the rebound here but he made a couple plays that were meaningful that didn't necessarily result in makes, but in this game, it didn't result in a make, but maybe he makes this play against Duke. Maybe he makes this play against Carolina. Maybe he makes it on, on Wednesday against Notre Dame and it does lead to a three or it does lead to a big bucket. at a certain point. I, I would say with Barama though, my one concern. All right. We've talked about this, the five games in 10 days. What is that going to do to his knees? Because yeah. you talk about he's played 30 minutes the last two games, the last three days. More than that. He's played, yeah. Yeah. He's played he over 30 minutes now. 16. Yeah. So 34 minutes now in the last two days when he hasn't played more than 18 in a game since 2020. And this is a guy who there have been opportunities throughout the season for him to play while he's been quote unquote good enough to go. And he hasn't been given that chance to play at times. So what is this five game and 10 day stretch going to do to a guy like him when he's battled all of these knee injuries in the past? It worries me a little bit and we might need to see someone else step up and give you some center minutes at a certain point. Well, the only person that can do that is Frank, right? I mean, he's got to right. play better if, if it's not Barama, because unless you want to throw John bowl back there, I think 
you know, uh, that trust me, he, you, I will not be the leader of that fan club. Yeah. You, right. you know, my thoughts on, on John Bull. Yeah. So, all right. Well, props to Barama. We will dive into what this recent run means. Syracuse won six of their last seven. We'll discuss that in just a little bit, but got to tell you about our old friends, Rock Auto. They've been with us since the beginning, and this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing number of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto today. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years now. Price is always reliably low. You can count on that because I've gone to them several times to repair parts in my Jeep, and I found it way easier to go to their website. Very easy to use interface than waiting in line, going to those brick and mortar type stores and having an all day excursion that really just makes you upset at the end of the day. So just go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. So Syracuse has won six of seven, which is good and also somewhat expected because I think they were favored in six of seven during the stretch. Yep. I guess Wake was the I believe one they closed that, as a, a favorite, though. Against yeah, them. I think they did. So you, you count that as a favorite, too. And that's one where you look at it and say, all right, they blew out Wake. That's that's a really solid win and turned some heads and did some things you probably weren't expecting. This game a little bit uglier than you would have liked it to be but you get the win i think it's encouraging it definitely i'm still skeptical of the next four games overall but it's good to see that this team is starting to win games and sort of just get back to where i thought their record should have been all along look i was low on this team in the preseason compared to others but there was a stretch at the start of acc play when they started one and four or something around there where they lost a lot of close games and i thought they're better than this. They they shouldn't be, yeah. you know, a true 500 team. They should be at least a little bit above 500. They're 15 and 12 now. That feels about right, and it's good to see that they're finally winning some of those close games. Well, I look at it too, all right? This is certainly encouraging, right? I mean, winning six of seven is always going to be encouraging, but what does it mean? And I don't know if it means a whole heck of a lot because I, I'm going to challenge you. Find the quad one ex, quad one win in that uh, that little run there because there isn't one. And right. that's what a lot of people like we, we tweeted something out after the game doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. The next four games are really what means a lot for this team. Yeah, but and I will say I forget exactly what you said in that tweet, but I mean, it still matters. Or what do you say exactly? Like, not, I think it was something along the lines of not sure how much it means, but yeah, the next four are going to be the meaningful ones. And it's like, listen, you need some quad one victories. Wake Force is not going to be a quad one victory. All right. They're 40th right now in the nets. And they've got three games left and all the teams are pretty bad. So they're in all likelihood, not going to move up inside the top 25. You got 15 spots to go there. It's good that you're playing your best basketball right now, but if your best basketball can't beat Notre Dame, Duke, Carolina, Florida, you probably need at least three of those games. If you want to open a couple eyes there, like yeah, then, then this six of seven run really doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. 
Well, I'll say this. I think it does mean something because these it kept you alive. It kept, yeah, it you, keeps alive. you alive. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It the last four games that were laying out that truly matter. I hear you on that. They would legitimately not matter at all. If now, you if it was six win. or seven, and you got uh, Virginia Tech as one of those, I think it's a different conversation. Then, like if you traded the Wake game for a Virginia Tech or one of the other games for a Virginia Tech, I'd take that swap right now. I mean, I don't think it matters too much because well, if you're one giving, win. yeah, I guess, but six of seven is six of seven. Like I get the leagues down. I get they got an easy stretch of the schedule, but if you're going to give up the Virginia tech loss, then in theory, if you won six of seven and beat Virginia tech, then maybe you would have lost to someone worse too. Right. I know what you're saying about wake, but I think wake is it's borderline quad one. And the fact that it's, a quad two versus a quad one. I get there's a cutoff there, but it's still a blowout win against a team that's ranked 40th. In I the mean, net. Wake Forest is closer to a quad three than a quad one right now. I mean, it's so, 40th in the net, right? Isn't that their yeah, ranking? Yeah. So top 25 in the net is quad one win at home. Right. And top 50 is quad two. So you're closer to a quad three than you are to a quad one. Is it top 50? I always thought it was like top 75, but I, I thought top I 75 was track. quad three, but I could be wrong there too. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it's I guess what I'm saying is you beat Wake Forest, which on paper is a better team than Virginia Tech, and you blew them out. So I don't have whether it was Virginia Tech or Wake, I don't know if it makes a huge difference. I do think the quads matter, and I'm usually in agreement with that. But I don't know. We're still far away from talking about the NCAA tournament. I totally agree with that. I guess what I'm saying is it's just still good to see that Syracuse is winning games and it still matters from a standpoint of you don't want to go below 500. You want to keep the spirits high. You want to have some momentum for the program going into next season. You don't want to fall to a newer level of low that you have in recent seasons. Jim Beheim's three wins away from a thousand. I think that'd be cool to get this season. There's still stuff that you're playing for, even if the NCAA tournament is still a long shot at this point. Right. And we kind of talked about this yesterday. Like ACC is wide open. As long as you don't draw Duke, you're, you're going to have a chance to get to the ACC championship game. Like there, yeah. there are games to be had out there in the ACC tournament. And that's why this final four game stretch is so important. You have to go out there and do something with these games, because if you're not, then you're basically pissing away all the progress that you made by winning six or seven here. And I just want to say that like, People can point at us and say, oh, you're, you're acting all negative with this. Don't be the rah-rah, you guys are fake phony fans at us and then MF this team when they go 0-4 during this next four-game stretch because like, the warning signs have been out there all season long. So they, they need to start racking some wins against some good teams. And this yeah. is a great stretch. That's how meaningful this four-game stretch is. You can literally change the narrative of your entire season. You know what we're going to forget about if you go three and one down this four game stretch? We're going to forget about that Colgate loss. We're going to forget about that VCU loss. Because if you go three and one down the stretch, you're really putting yourself in a nice little spot heading into the ACC tournament. Yeah, it's exciting that they're at least still in the conversation. And that's what this recent run has done. I don't really think it's a conversation to be had in terms of the NCAA tournament, but there's still reason to watch Notre Dame on Wednesday. And there's reason to talk yourself into the NCAA tournament, if they do pick off some wins here against some quality teams. I do think my confidence level in a Notre Dame win probably went down after this game because 
It goes to overtime. They looked really tired at the end of the game. Shots were coming up short. Buddy's missing a couple that it just felt like he didn't have his legs towards the end. And I don't blame him because he plays 42, 43 minutes. And it is pretty amazing. Buddy played 42 minutes in this game, I think, officially. Did not register a single rebound. Like you think he would just luck in yeah, one. Yeah, he gets but, gets tapped one or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's the two three zone. I guess he's just not worried about that. Although the team didn't do a great job of getting back on defense in this game, so I don't know what to make of that stat too much. It's a little concerning, but I think we'll preview Notre Dame on tomorrow's show. It's going to be a tough matchup. If you win that though, then it's it's starting to get fun. Where seven of eight in a Notre Dame and a Wake win. And you're going, you got Duke on Saturday, and there's a lot to play for in that game. Yeah. I mean, well, if you beat Notre Dame, you become Allen from the hangover, and the numbers start moving in front of you. Right. Bit. Like <laughs> that's what Good happens one, yeah. if you, if you beat Notre Dame. It's one of those. Um, it, listen, this is a tough, tough stretch. Not to mention, yeah. this is going to be your third game in what in, in five days, too. I mean, we're talking about an NBA schedule that you're playing right now, and that's not easy on college kids, and it doesn't get easier with the opponent either like you've yeah. you've kind of gotten the benefit of back-to-back cupcakes boston college georgia tech like would have been nice to not go against georgia tech or not go to overtime in georgia tech and get a blowout maybe keep the legs a little bit fresher for wednesday but that's obviously not what's gonna happen come wednesday just because of the the overtime and you had to play a lot of major players big time minutes too so that certainly dips into your fatigue factor a little bit but Here's the one thing for optimism that I would say for Notre the Notre Dame game is I don't think this team's going to shoot 33%. No. Not no. not in this game, not again for the remainder of the season. I, I really no, doubt. No. Like they're just a better shooting team than this and I I'd have to go back and look at the numbers too, but is it just me or do I does it feel like they shoot really well at Purcell Pavilion? That's something I feel I like I think I the road team I'll look through it before we do the preview podcast tomorrow to sort of verify it. But I feel like the road team is just dominated in this series. There's been a lot of close really, games, yeah. but there's been some Notre Dame wins. I'd have to go back. Too. Cause like, I remember there was an epic Elijah Hughes performance that came against Notre Dame not too long ago. Like there have mm-hmm. been some big time three point shooting efforts. And that seems like an arena. Like I, I, so to kind of peel back the curtain here, like I used to work Notre Dame radio a little bit and the joke that the play-by-play announcer, Jack Nolan, who recently retired, used to have is, it is such a great shooting gym that I once went two for two from three in a charity basketball game. <laughs> and that that's the thing is like, it just kind of feels like, like certain gyms just are shooters havens, right? Yeah. Like they always talk about the Pentagon out in uh, South Dakota. I think this team shoots really well at, at Boston College. We've laid those numbers out before too. And Notre Dame, I, I feel like is another one of those. So for if you've got a good shooting team, like, Maybe this is the, the the place you want to play. Yeah. Well, it feels like they probably had C or D game last night and they won the game. So that's that's a positive. I think C itself. is generous. Like yeah. It, it's tough to get better than a, a C game when you shoot thirty three percent. So yeah. I mean I it may have even one been way to that, do it though you know. is is to have only four turnovers. And yeah, like that's that that is an astounding stat. I, I cannot right. get over that. And Virginia, or sorry, Georgia Tech, I should say, at 14. So to win that turnover margin by 10 was huge. But that's going to wrap up the recap podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for a preview of Notre Dame. We're here with you guys every single day this week. Busy week, so a good time to subscribe to the pod. We'll get you ready for Duke later in the week, that big game, and continue to crunch the numbers. Maybe 
do the Allen hangover thing if uh, Notre Dame does end up being a win for Syracuse. But we will talk to you with the Notre Dame preview tomorrow.